Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, thanking you for listening to Pitch List. We are so excited to announce that this episode of Pitch List is sponsored by Sweetwater, my go-to way to order new instruments and gear. Stay tuned for more info on them, and later in the episode, we'll be giving out an exclusive discount code to help you save on your first purchase with Sweetwater. Boy, we've got a good one today. I sat down with Music Row songwriter Connie Harrington. Her credits range from a CMA Song of the Year, an ACM Song of the Year, Grammy nominations, and two Dove Awards. I had always been a fan of Connie's work, and I was excited to talk to her, but I was not prepared for her incredible insight into the writing business and writers themselves. Her visit quickly went from a pitch list interview into a personal counseling session for me. I teared up at least twice, and I thought about some of the things that she said for days. So I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Here's Connie Harrington. We were talking about, um, before I started rolling, so I just quickly hit the button, as you as a publisher and a songwriter, when I mentioned to you how important it was that some a songwriter had someone in their lives, like a plugger or really anybody, right, anybody. Who's, a, who's a cheerleader, who's right. a... That's not even the right word. A champion. A song, what, I could, yeah, song champion. Song champion. A champion, period. Yeah. Um, I think it is critically important, um, just, uh, uh, you know, fundamental, really, because it's so easy to lose our way as writers, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to get down if you have a bad day, if you had a, you know, you got a hold that somebody drops your hold, or you didn't make the record, or right. any, well, or, or just not anything's going on. Right. Well, it's a no business. You get no every day. So that's right. You can you can take it for long swaths of time. But every once in a while, the nose catch up with you and uh, you do have a down period or a little desert period or and you need. uh, It's critical to have a song champion. It is. Get you through that. It's funny, isn't it? That's a great way to say it. it. You do have down. Everybody does. People that we know that have had you know, really successful careers, but they, everyone goes through this, right? Because no matter how many hits you have, you think it's probably my last one. Yeah. (laughs) Or a little part of you, one little part back in there. Yeah. Because you're, you're a creative, all creative types are emotionally volatile and being that way makes you a great writer, but it also makes you vulnerable to down periods or losing your confidence if there's a down period. you know i'm learning something already that's right 
Yeah, I'm it thinking, doesn't matter it, who you are. Yeah. That and, partly is what drives you on. Right. And gives you longevity as a career. I think, yeah. uh, like Tom Shapiro, a lot of people laugh at him because he'll be like, his whole career was he had more hit, hits than anybody would be like, oh, that's probably my last one. Yeah. He, I, rem- <laughs> I haven't seen Tom in a while, but I was thinking about him the other yeah, day. It's so I better funny. quit today. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. He was like Eeyore. <laughs> You've had all the hits. You yeah, tell me, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm here to. Learn something from you. Well, yeah, he's just had wonderful longevity. And, yes. And that just, and for for somebody like that to feel like that, you know every creative entity feels like that. And, you know, and, and a lot of times in this industry, they're like, well, you got to have a positive attitude, and, and they'll poo-poo you. Yeah. You, you know, but yeah. you can't just positive attitude your way all every day because we're no. creative individuals and if somebody like tom shapiro feels like that then let's just be honest we are all our writers we're all a little kooky (laughs) and that makes us great writers because i always explain it this way your average person you know they kind of stay in this swath of emotions Mm -hmm. and creative people we dip down lower bigger bigger roller coaster higher we're yeah. like a sine wave of emotions, and it's just the way it is. It it, it makes you be able, able to imagine other people's experiences or to feel them lower or higher than your average person. So wow. that's to that's me number what, two. what songwriters Connie do. Harrington comes up with number two. That's right. I mean. That's right. We're, most that's how writers, I feel anyway. are, I think that's right. I've never thought of it. We're swinging higher and lower which makes us sort of more able to tune in on those things. Yeah. I, I, we feel them maybe I feel a like bit my more. antenna have always been out really far. Right. Even as a little child, right. I didn't feel like the normal kid because you think about things other kids aren't thinking about and yeah. things impact you differently or more deeply or you're concerned about things most kids aren't concerned about. Right. You see it helps you because you're seeing and you're experiencing higher and deeper, I think. I think so. And you said the sine wave, you know, a, a phrase you hear around here a lot through the years is the songwriters talking about the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like a common. Yeah. It's that's great a, when it's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's a sine scary wave. A roller horror. coaster is that's a sine exactly wave. exactly right. Yeah. That's and that's the the phrase people use the most. Um, the roller, uh, you know, I'm up here, you know, or I'm down here, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, it's funny you said that that really resonated with me. It just explains a lot. It explains a lot of the personality types that you see around here. Yeah. It explains a lot of things about why these why writers are more susceptible and more able to translate the human experience. It, you, it wow. Absolutely is. Sorry. I'm not usually just yeah. knocked out. It's like, well, wow, not, that's great. Not just in songwriting. I think any creative, you know, book authors, you think of uh, inventors and what is said about them a lot of the times? Oh, they're crazy. They're weird. Eccentric. You know, because there's a fine line between madness and brilliance. Yes. yes. And a lot of times, uh, that's I think that's why a lot of creative people have a lot of uh, problems. You know, yes. A lot of them turn to addiction because yeah. they're yep. seeking a balance, trying to balance that out. But that's just how God wired them to be able to create things other people don't think of or imagine. And so you've got a history of people that are considered great inventors, writers, musicians, 
sculptors, whatever. And behind the curtain, they struggled. Yeah. They had oh, tough yeah. lives. I mean, yes. my God, look at Mozart. I mean, yes. that's just uh, the uh, dichotomy of it, the too. irony of it. You know, or there's like those great Michelangelo, Michelangelo quotes, like, uh, if you knew how, there's one to the, I'm going to paraphrase it, but if, you, if they knew how hard I had worked for my mastery, they wouldn't be impressed at all. Mm, wow. You know, the greatest sculptor ever lived. I've seen some yeah. of his work. It's like when you look at it, it feels like you're being connected to divinity almost. Yeah, you know, that one. Absolutely. You know what I mean? When he, there's a one in the, in, uh, in the Vatican where Mary's holding Jesus as a full grown man. Right. Yeah. Right off the cross. Uh-huh. It is. It gives me goosebumps to think yeah, about think it. About, I know exactly which one you're talking about. And it's like, yeah. but his, his point of view was, eh, whatever. Yeah. I ruined myself making that. Oh, you know, it's wow. like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, uh, and I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it is, uh, it can be sort of the unseen part of this that's a little more trying. It is trying. Than, so than people might I'm realize. empathic, you know, for... I think you I call are. us the misfits. I know. I'm really. Because wa- we truly. I want to book yeah. you for a therapy session right now. <laughs> oh, oh, me. It's a thing I think publishers, I wish and hope most of them would be more aware of. Because a lot of times they want to work with whoever's the, the path of least resistance. They're yes. easy. Let's yep. sign them. Yep. Well, do you want to understand creativity and sign the best creative person? Right. You know, sometimes they're a handful and they're not worth signing because it's too much trouble because some right. are just super crazy. But I, I, I would, if I could implore anything to publishers, is to be mindful of that, that you are de- dealing with a volatile thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think, don't you think that the really good publishers do know that at some level? I hope so. I think some of yeah. them do. I've definitely seen... Some writers suffer because of them not getting that. Now that, you know, you get into the thing of there are things that you would probably share with the writer as a publisher to sort of help them if they're not on the right track, Mm -hmm. you know. So I guess it is, I guess they would probably say it's a balance. Yeah. Of critique versus, what's your take on that? Well, I I think you have to know the person. Teach his own. I'm a personality type that I don't want to waste time. So if you think my song is a pile of dog crap, please tell me. It won't hurt my feelings because I want to write the ones that aren't dog crap. Right, (laughs) right, right. But not most writers are not that per. They're not like that. But I I think you got to you know gauge the person. Right. I don't want smoke blown. You know to me. Right. You know. but there's a diplomatic way or a better way yeah. to respond yeah. to a creative creative type that's right. going to be constructive and not destructive. Because you you know you can dismantle what's already a fragile thing. Am I right. getting the best out of myself, right. or, or or you can you can tear it down or you can build it up. So you do have to be careful yeah, with responses. In a pitching session, yeah, you want someone to say, "I'm not. I don't need that song." Right. You know, I need, right. I'm looking this for one This is what I'm these. looking for, yeah. And then you're like, because you don't want to waste your time pitching to them. Maybe the, the talks that help the writer sort of pump up and know they can do it, those are maybe separate from yeah. discussing the songs that get turned maybe, in. Yeah. But like I said, it, it just depends on the writer. Yeah. Some want it diplomatic. Some want it as 
hardcore as they can get. I've right. seen I've seen both. But I will say this, you know, certain publishers or certain, yeah, certain publishers. And of course, they're all trying to succeed and get cuts right. from a commercial standpoint. But certain pluggers or publishers or have an affinity for the super dead-on commercial, which we were talking about Joni Mitchell earlier. Okay. Those types of writers who might be more brilliant than any of the ones in that publishing house are going to suffer if that's the kind of publisher they're at. You know, They mm-hmm. maybe have the potential and in, in the future might write you know, the next yesterday or the next right. bridge over troubled waters. But in their certain environment, maybe they signed at the wrong place that that's not those, yeah. you know, creative people. That's not their thing. And that's OK that it's not their thing. So that's why it's critical to find the kind of champion that does your thing, that right. gets your thing right. and will pitch your thing, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, because there are great writers who are maybe not doing exactly what's happening now, but there are great writers that sort of get in position and then it does change to what they do. Yeah. Like I was thinking of Lori McKenna over at Universal. Yeah, absolutely great there example. Were, I, th- I think there were several years <laughs> where, but Lori did have champions. That I know that Kent, yeah. they all loved her. Yeah. And she wasn't really getting anything and all of a sudden Faith yeah. gets really, Tim and Faith get yeah. really interested in Lori. Right. And, and they took a chance on they, material that right. wasn't the usual fare of the, the day. It wasn't the usual thing. And so she's a great example. Absolutely brilliant. Now, had she not had a champion that continued to right. push her, right. she might have given up. Right. Thank God. Because right. look what humble and kind, wonderful, yeah. wonderful songs we have because somebody positively reinforced right. her. And they were like, it's not happening now, but it's going to happen you know, we're just going to wait and yeah. put you, maybe get you some of these other experiences. Mm-hmm. and uh, It'll be the, worth the wait. Right. It'll be worth the wait. Yeah. I guess it's human nature. Labels do it. Everybody does it. The path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. You know, signing writers that um, are politically hooked up. Yeah. or They all want great writers, obviously. Yeah, they all want great but, writers. But some of them have more patience. They're, some of them are trying to create, you know, a great successful publishing house that makes money, and some of them want to create great art also, and right. want to be trendsetters, and want to make music people are going to want to still sing 25, 30 right. years from now. Well, you know what it is, and your company has the same situation. I think you can always look at a publishing company when they've had long-term relationships with the same writers. Right. Yeah. That, that's your signal that things are yeah. going right. I had a co-write not long ago, and the writer said, when I'm out of a deal, I want to come here because no one ever leaves. <laughs> right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. that's, that, that <laughs> is your signal that you've got something working correctly. Right. Yeah. You've got Rusty over there who's just, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. We had a song, our little band that we make records this summer wrote, and uh, – Marv was a part of this, so Marv writes for y'all mm-hmm. with their joint venture with Warner Chapel. Right. And Rusty got the song and just went crazy mm-hmm. and got a cut. Yeah. And, and it, that enthusiasm oh, sells its song. It, it does. I mean, yeah. th- that's what started me thinking about this. I'm like, look, I'm a very positive person. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I, I, but but I, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, now, now I understand Rusty's got his process, and I don't guess that he does that with every song. He couldn't possibly do that. So it was real. Yeah. 
But just the way he went about it, he pitched that song at like 10 o'clock at night and went to somebody's house. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. well, I can't send it to you and right. I can't play it for you in the morning. I have to play it for you right now. And they're right. like, okay, yeah, yeah, come on down. Right. But that kind of, uh, I just love that. Yeah. That's all. I just love it. Cause I know it, I know it, I know it works. Yeah. And, and it's rare too. And, it's and it is rare when he feels like that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's back tack, crack. We, uh, I got deep in the weeds there with you, which is what we do on this podcast. Okay. But you, I, I, I was looking over last night at, uh, at all your stuff, I, and I did not know that you went to Belmont. I did. Now, did you about a you, thousand years ago? <laughs> you went, so you're a Belmont, just like yeah. Dana. Y'all yeah. are Belmont music uh, business major, music graduate. business, right? Yeah. And I did know that I had thought you had worked as a plugger, but as I read last night, you you worked at Benson Records. Yeah, I worked in the art department. In the art department, okay. Ten years. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. So, art department at a record company is album covers and some posters, some ads, but mainly album covers. I started out actually when I got out of Belmont. I wanted to double major in art and music. Okay. Belmont at the time didn't have an art program. Do you draw also? I mean, I do. I haven't in quite a while. But okay. I did paint and drew, you know. Um, so it was ironic that I ended up doing art for <laughs> literally yeah, art for without music. the proper training, let me tell you. But um, I got out of Belmont and got into concert promotion, was working for a company uh, that was doing a rock tour with DeGarmo and Key, which was a contemporary Christian band, rock band. And, Anyway, we went, uh, they moved us into the Benson building because it was very involved, uh, the, the amount of work. And I uh, got to know the art director there. And uh, he wanted to leave his position to go do fine art painting. Oh, okay. And I had been doing enough this stuff. I guess I just had a knack for it. And he's like, you know what? You can do this job. Oh, wow. <laughs> you should just take my job. So they hired me, you know. Technically, I was the art coordinator and then eventually got the director title. But yeah, I did album covers and hired. I mean, I eventually ended up actually physically doing some myself, but I would hire the photographers, the designers, the the photo shoots, makeup artists, just every, the film engravers, the whole process of making album covers. That's what I oversaw for years and years at Benson. And Benson was a, is a purely Christian label or... Yeah, it, it, it's the oldest record label in Nashville. It was all Christian based, but it right. was like everything from Every style. heavy metal to Southern right. Gospel. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Back in the day, I remember when I was a kid, there were there were some big uh, rock, you know, metal yeah, Christian yeah. bands. Yeah. Uh, uh, I knew some guys when I first moved here in, was it Whiteheart? Was there a band called oh, Whiteheart? Yeah, yeah. Dan Huff was in Whiteheart yeah, for a while. Yeah, he was. There was one called, and there was one White Lion no, there was one called Striper. Oh, yeah, Striper. To hell with Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did a couple of their, <laughs> to hell with the their album covers. Yeah. Did you do Striper? Really? Uh, That's awesome. When they signed at Benson for uh-huh. a stint, yeah. I was involved in a couple of their Because Benson covers. was the big one, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so it probably... There was al- Benson and there was Word, but you know, right. it's the oldest. You know. I just remember going to one concert with this band called Bride. They were the heavy metal one. Okay. And it was so well done. And the guy somewhere in the... He took us... Big swig of water and then dispute it all, <laughs> spit it out. And it was so well done for what it was. It just mm-hmm. brought tears to my eyes because it was just great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just the 
the whole thing. I don't know whatever happened to them, but we, anyway, so, that was a lifetime ago. But yes, um, I was an art director. So you did that for <laughs> quite a while. So you're you're getting some creative satisfaction from your job. Were you always doing music in addition? That was my question. You know, I've written since I was a little kid, and so long before Belmont, but uh, very, very painfully shy child. So that's not something I was like, hey. Okay. <laughs> you know, so... Um, Went to Belmont, you know, was writing the whole time. I didn't really understand that you could write as a living, as a profession. Right. I really didn't. And uh, and like I say, I went to Belmont a thousand years ago, so they didn't really, they only had one songwriting class. It, I still didn't understand that, ooh, I could do this for a job job. So um, it was just a fluke, sort of. I, I had a good friend that I worked it with, uh, Joseph Cassell, uh, and he... Uh, is now Taylor Swift's personal stylist. Okay. Maren Morris is and everybody else. But at the time, we were just two of these little poor kids that worked at Benson. He, uh, somewhere in between uh, being an art director, I, you know, realized there's people downstairs. What are those people downstairs doing? And they're like, oh, the publishing is downstairs and oh. the writers are downstairs. And I'm like, you mean they, that's their job? They well, just write, come up here and write every day? And they're like, oh, yeah. So I remember literally, I'm a post it note freak so I, on a post-it note i wrote goals <laughs> get one song published someday literally and so uh, i think at one point you know i took a little song down there that i a little piece of song they were like, oh that's pretty good but uh i got befriended these songwriters okay and so let me backtrack a little bit but my friend joseph he took my very first demo and without telling me because he knew i would object played it for some publishers. The first and only demo I had is a f- song I finished after getting divorced. And uh, they liked it. And it got cut, and it got singled, and it got the video. And they are like, do you have any more? So What he, was the title? Uh, it was called Cleansing Rain, something okay. I wrote about getting divorced. And, uh, and so I credit him to pushing me out of the songwriter nest. So, so the songwriters from the floor below me would come up in the morning i'd give them a song idea or a piece of a song they'd go down there and work on it and i'd do little album covers all day and then at night they'd bring me what they had worked on and i'd go home and finish it and this went on and on and on until i started getting cuts and more cuts and more cuts and then talked to benson into letting me just work part-time and job share with another gal until i weaned off my day job so when it started costing me money i you know, walked off the steps with my little box one day, and I was a full-on nothing but a songwriter. Were you? Did you at some point cut a deal with Benson for publishing? You know, <laughs> that was a sore spot for them because uh, I signed a couple of single song contracts with okay. them, but right. they said I wasn't ready to be signed as a writer. Writer, uh, well, but Reunion Publishing, Amy Grant's uh, company, thought otherwise, and they signed me <laughs> so wow. when i signed there you know benson was like whoa 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 and they didn't allow any more employees to to do that in the future <laughs> you know so they call it the harrington ruling <laughs> right so, so but no no ill will but they were yeah yeah not happy well there's something about human nature where it's hard <laughs> uh you often have to go outside to get validation Exactly. Yeah. I don't know what that is. If yeah. you, I think I've seen it in several situations. Uh, if you're in a corporate structure, a company structure, even if it's a small company, yeah. 
this is how you're seen. And it's yeah. very different. So when you go to Amy Grant to reunion, they just see you as this cool, this person who wrote these cool songs and they're just excited to see you come through the door. Right. At the other place, you're the, you're the person who does art. Yeah. Who writes a little bit. Right. And you exactly. can, it's hard not to be that. Yeah. It was crazy, but they were supportive of it and so kind and letting me, you know, kind of wean off my day job. Benson was so I, nothing but appreciation so you, for them as well. So you started writing for reunion and it's full time. Yeah. And at the time they said, yeah, well, you know, I, I'd always written country and folk and all of it, Christian as well. And they were like, we can do both. We can do both. But they really couldn't do both. You know, as far mm-hmm. as the country, you know, they really excelled at contemporary Christian. So as a result, I excelled first in that genre. In that and genre. Had, they had the 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 contacts the network, the relationships. yeah 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 and you're around those acts and whatnot right. and it's just conducive to you know, yeah and they probably set you up with other writers yeah, who are doing absolutely, that absolutely yeah pretty easy to fall yeah into that area yeah. how okay that's another question i have then you know have, having your eye on country yeah. how did you maintain that if you're in that world a uh, reunion ended up getting sold i believe got so long ago and so that publishing situation dissolved. And uh, prior to that, at Benson, I'd met Sean McSpadden. He ended up starting uh, McSpadden Smith Music, where he had, he said, I can do both. And he had signed Larry Cordell, Jim Rushing, and Carl Jackson. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were were doing both. And so I signed with that company until it kind of went defunct. And uh, then I was in between deals and didn't have a deal and wrote um, This Woman Needs for Shadaisy. Yeah, which I, I remember owned that. in the pocket, you know. And um, Sean was good friends with Greg Hill. Greg Hill called me to come in. I came in, you know, there at EMI mm-hmm. Publishing, had a meeting with him, and he offered me a publishing deal, and I took it and was there for many, many years. And that's right. where I ended up meeting, you know, Tim Nichols, my current business. That's right. Tim was at... Yeah, and okay. my husband, you know, John, John May was a plugger there. That was a huge publishing house back in, uh, back in the day. That was their heyday, man. Yeah. Every, I mean, the, it was a great yeah. place to be at the time, yeah. Now, that they're not in that building anymore, are they? Or are they no, still... No, the building's that, not yeah, even it's there It's gone, anymore. right? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I, yeah. don't, I don't get to Music Row as much as I used Thanks, to. Thanks, Nashville. Tear everything down. Yeah, but I, I thought I remember that. They tore that building yeah, down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think when I go down to Music Row, sometimes I, I drive by and I think, well, that used to be that, and this yeah. was that. I mean, it's funny the change, isn't it, over the years? It really is. I, I will say I remember the day driving by EMI, seeing the actual wrecking ball hit the steps where I met my husband. Wow. I, mean, I got sick to my stomach. I bet. <laughs> in fact, I was riding with Ryan Hurd and Marin Morse that day, uh-huh. <laughs> and I came in and I said, uh, well, let me tell you what just happened. And um, so my title today is "They're Tearing Shit Down." <laughs> so we uh, we did write that subject, but we called it "There Goes the Neighborhood." So wow, yeah. So I also uh, Dana and I were talking last night about what to talk to you about. Um, I think I'd be remiss if we don't go into uh, lyrics. If we okay. don't, because I'm and and now tell me if I've got this wrong. Okay. But I'm seeing you as an idea lyric person. It's that's usually your function in a co-write. It has been as of late. Uh, it used to be I would do the music and the lyric. And okay. would always steer the melody and sang it and everything. But, okay. you know, I just got tired of my melodies. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, after years of writing, you got to you reevaluate what it, what part do I love? What is 
is it I love? And I love both, but what makes me the most satisfied and probably what I revere the most is getting a lyric just right. Words. Words yeah. matter to me. I think words matter, and I'd take it a step yeah. further and say that's uh, it's easier to find a good a great guitar player with really good melodies. Yeah. It's harder to find somebody who really understands lyrics. I think it's responsible for a lot of people having longevity in their career Mm -hmm. because musical styles sort of change and morph based on your experiences as a child. So as new writers come in, the styles change. And if you weren't there, you know, in that way, you know, right. It's harder to keep up with that part. Right. Right. The lyric thing is always a problem. And, in the, in the songwriting process mm-hmm. as far as needed. And I think it's smart to, I think it's, and it never really changes yeah. as to, you know, right. it's the hard part. Yeah. I, it, think. I think it is the, it's har- the hard harder part. part. I mean, I, re- you know, I love melody is important and, and, sure. and you, it's suffered a bit here lately with I the agree. trend. I agree. But, um, yeah, I, uh, my thing is to have a zillion pages of titles and uh, I stop. I love have, coming up with ideas. Do you and, have a zillion pages of titles? I do. They're not okay. all great, but no, I, you know, I do. You know, I'll, I'll write down a title, probably one every couple of days at the time. I think it's absolute genius. And then when I go back later to pitch it in the yeah, session, all I'm the like, time. this is so stupid. So Why stupid. did I even put this down? I don't know. Tequila probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, but you know, and I and I I've been tempted to to erase some of those off of the pages. Mm-hmm. Literally, I've just pages and pages. Of, but then certain days, I'll see a crap that crappy title. What I thought yep. was crappy, and I'll think of a different way to do it. So, um, but I I wanted to talk to you about lyrics because I think um, I think that is the 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 eternal songwriting problem. You know, mm-hmm. as far and maybe that's because I come from a musical point of view from mm-hmm. the beginning. I don't know. But I think people like you are more rare and more special. People who really can have an idea that resonates and and really get that connection of a song. Because, man, some of you, first of all, I don't want to germ you, but I drive your truck. I mean, I cried the first time I heard that song. And I've heard a lot of I'm pretty jaded. Mm. So, I mean, mine would be you. These are great songs. And wh- where I was heading with this is, not only are they great songs, but they're songs that resonate with everyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not, there are, there's different kind of great songs. Right, right. You know, and yours are those, gr- the perfect ones because they're, they're commercial and they're also great art. Gotcha. And they have meaning Thank for you. people. Thank you. And I think that's the hardest thing to do. And I mm-hmm. wanted to ask, how do you how do you do it? How do you so you're just con- I can already see that you've you've got a deeper take on this than a lot of people just by having a conversation with you. Gotcha. So you're a very thoughtful person. Is do you think Try that's part be. of it? Uh, I do, I do, I do. I'm always thinking. When, like I drive your truck. You'll have to edit a lot of this out, but that's the last subject I ever wanted to write about. Because I was a kid of a POW. And it made growing up in our house awful, stressful. Because your father had been captured? Yeah, severe PTSD. Was he in Vietnam? He was in World War II. World War II. Japanese prison camp. And when he was very young, 17, 
for 17 oh months. So I didn't want to write about that subject. Yeah. would have never written about it. But that's the irony of life and creative people. I'm driving down the road, and I hear, next up, Memorial Memorial Day stories. Crap, I literally said out and loud in my car, oh, God, I don't want to hear that. Not that I don't revere every soldier that's putting their life on the line, but it's just a tough subject for me. Sure. So I started to change the channel, but I didn't. I don't know why. And this gentleman gets on there and inspires that song because they ask him, how do you cope with your, you know, losing your son? And he said, I, I drive his truck. Oh. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> that deserves to be written about. So bawled my eyes out driving down the road, my little post-it notes, writing the details of this truck, everything he's saying, because my antenna were out. As a creative person, I am open to receive. And, and, you, and you saw it. And I was you at saw the it privilege of just seeing and hearing it and knowing that could be a, a great, you know, I feel like it, first of all, it was a story that deserved to be told. Right. And in a song form. And I just felt like it could be something everybody connected to. And a healing. And it was. It, it's a healing and thing. And, you know, now I didn't think, you know, when I heard that phrase come out of this man's mouth, that it could be a healing thing, that it's just been a beautiful byproduct of honoring what God put me on the earth to do. Yeah. Like, like I say, I didn't want to write that subject of all the ironies, but a but I did because I was uniquely qualified to do so. Right. Jesse Alexander, who I wrote it with, and Jimmy Yuri were also uniquely qualified to write that subject. It's just a God thing that that's how it worked out, that she's who I had in the next few crow rights. She lost her mom at a very young age. He lost his dad at a very young age. We were acquainted with grief. Now, mine died at a fairly young age, but I always said... He died in 1945, and we buried him, you know, 30 years later. Because he did. So that's where that song came from. Crazy. But that's that's the antenna being out, I think, on a person who can imagine what that man felt like. I've had a thousand interviews about this song, and I cannot get through one without crying because... I can imagine how he felt. I think any good songwriter has that ability. Do we all let ourselves go that far down? It's painful. When you're you're desert times, when Amy's tired of you, it's painful to be there. Yeah. She's she's a great writer. I know she's been there too. But a a lot of writers are just blessed to only dip down there. Some of it just scraped the bottom like a shovel on the last scoop of gravel, you know, Yeah. for periods of time, and it's tough. But it is. I'm thankful for that because it made me open to receive that song and to deliver it. It's embarrassing to sit here and blubber, but I wouldn't, that's the no, truth. No, it's not. It's not embarrassing that's in any truth. way because when you make stuff up, it doesn't really work. This was a big song, and it's a big song because it was real. It was and you, true. Yeah. It was a true story that you felt that you, like you said, you wanted to honor this man who lost yeah. his son. Yeah. And you, but it resonated with you and your pain. And there's the, it's a Robert Browning quote, I think, no tears in the writer, 
no tears in the reader. Oh, wow. And never heard that. That's I think for anyone true. on the songwriting journey, it's the, you gave them right there. One of the biggest lessons you can get the, which is this isn't when it works, it, it's real. Yeah. That's what works. That's what people feel. Yeah. And, and I think if you let yourself go there, even when it's painful, right, right. which I did, then you reap these benefits that you don't foresee. Yeah. The healing that is given to people, the Gold Star families, and Gold Star families right. are parents that have lost children in the war. They have adopted it as their right. The awareness, anthem, basically, that, yeah. That the awareness of their plight, their situation, yeah. yeah, of being proud of their loved ones, and and not regretting what their loved ones aspired to do for this country, right? And then to lose them. The, the conflict the confliction of just that emotion right, right there right. would would tear most people apart mm-hmm. I think it would be very just for looking from the outside it would be very easy to say was this worth it but if, it, they deserve to be held up and so you're part right. of that and that wasn't I didn't think all that you know I was just no I know. know but but that's the beautiful byproduct right. uh, of doing it and, and honoring right. what you feel propelled to do. But I think the biggest thing with that song that it did that I would have never had the foresight to see was was that it did something. I can't think of even one other song that's ever done, and and it acknowledged the people left behind. Yeah, Most songs right, are always right. about, oh, the soldier, or the right. this, or the that, or the person that left. And we didn't consciously do it, but but w- what that song did was acknowledge. Yeah. Everyone left behind. Everyone that yeah got into a truck or, or picked up a, a quilt, grandma, whoever made, you know, whatever the object was. It didn't have to be a truck, but it acknowledged those people that have felt a connection with a right. thing. There's you know. more than, there's a lot of heroes in this story. Yeah. There's more yes. than just the one. Yeah. Don't go away. Pitch List will be right back after the break. Our friends at Sweetwater have partnered with PitchList for this episode to give you an exclusive discount on their products, only for podcast listeners. Sweetwater is more than just a place to buy the latest instruments and music gear. They have the best customer service in the industry, always help you pick the right gear for your needs, and even offer expertise after the sale to make sure it works perfectly. On a personal note, I have used Sweetwater for years. My sales guy is the most knowledgeable rep I have ever dealt with. He always gives great advice on which product I actually need. And now through May 30th, PitchList listeners can get 10% off their phone order. Just call Sweetwater at 800-222-4700 and use the offer code PITCHLIST10, exclusive for PitchList listeners. Available for call-in orders only, not for orders on their website. And now, back to the show. I want to circle back because I think it's so important. You said something, we didn't get into it more. You said you've got to be willing to go there. Right. And I think, you know, that's an. I want you to talk, if you could, a little more about that. It's like, 
you can get in a writer's room and feel something and then back out of it because of embarrassment. I, I've had it. it oh, it I do it all the time. Year. As I'm you see, I can't even judgment. get through this podcast without crying. And, and like Rusty will say, Connie, hey, you know what? You're, you're best at those kind of songs. That I want you to just focus on those and just write nothing else. And I'm like, Rusty, <laughs> God love you. You have no idea how exhausting yeah. it can be. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes embarrassing. Right. Now, Jimmy and Jesse made fun of me for, for they were like, if she wasn't crying, we didn't keep the lyric. We we didn't keep the line. We'd say a line. If we didn't. She didn't cry again. More. Right. We didn't keep it. You know, and that was uh, flattering that they revered my tears that much. But it's uh, it's not every room you're comfortable enough right. to sit there and blubber and and go there with. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I've had a couple guests. Well, Amy. Well, I interviewed Amy on one of our podcasts, and she said. The reason she likes to find someone and write multiple times and sort of develop a writing partnership mm-hmm. is that that she is then comfortable to yeah. be there. It creates the comfort. You know, level. it's it's yeah. it might be more difficult to. Although I've seen it happen and I've done it, uh, you you can see somebody break down and cry on a first co-write. It's it's not unusual, mm-hmm. but it's easier to do with people that you're comfortable with. Oh, that for you sure. Know. Yeah. And well, it it'll dictate which ideas which ideas I throw out. Because I've got them, you know. I'm like, right. oh, I can't do that today. Okay, so <laughs> you if know? you're, just to clarify, if yeah. you're with a brand new writer that you've never worked with, mm-hmm. you might be hesitant to throw out an idea that's going to be super emotional. Right. Right, because well, you don't know them and you don't know. Yeah. Or if it's a no, new young writer, I'm not going to throw out one I think is going to be the song of the idea uh, anyway, but not that I thought that one was. When I, I, I understand. That's that's an area we've touched on before, too. Well, and I think the diplomatic way to say that is that, you know, you want to put out the you want to be working on the, the best thing for the group that you're with. Right. right. And everyone's want, skill set. Yes. Yes. And. You know, if it's a brand new person you don't know, you don't know. I, if I'm going to write a real emotional song, I want to know a little more about them before I sure. collaborate on a kind of sure. song, that kind of song. Sure. And then I'm sure I've been in writing sessions where I'm, that's my general approach to what yeah. you just said. And I've been in with a new new writer or not new to me or maybe new writer. Um, I've had it go down deep and quick. I mean, I've had yeah. it, I've gone. I mean, it's happened to me where it's like, wow, right. how are we down in this? We don't even no, know but, each other. But that's cool, though, because cool. a lot of times, and, and maybe I'm going to guess what happened there and what has happened with me is you kind of fill out the person and, and within the conversation, yes, you you find that nugget of an idea in what's going on with them that day. Right. Or, you know, a lot of times I'm the older one of the, you know, artists are going to be younger and uh, you you develop uh, affinity or ability to sense that in them and uh yeah well this is what we should write about today yeah. because that's what they're feeling the most right especially if they're the artist you want them to especially, write something uh, they're yeah. connecting to and they're, they're gonna be invested in that's that's another great uh point um sort of identifying if you're especially like you said with a, an artist a new artist or a younger artist they're gonna make a record and they're you know Steering them in a direction uh, that they're going to connect with emotionally is a very good idea, mm-hmm. and uh, because they're going to care about they're, it, right? And they're going to have. You can often get in the room, and the idea of what do we need to do today comes up. Well, A and R keeps telling me I need an up tempo hit. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, boy, here we go. Um, I wonder if you can really steer a songwriting session at all. I mean, it kind of wants to do what it wants to do. 
You know what I mean? Like I think you can to a degree. You, you can. To well, a degree. yeah. Okay. okay Depending okay, on all the, right, yeah. It, it's easier to if it's more seasoned co-riders. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll put it that way. Well, Lee, I, I guess what I'm asking about target riding. Do you do yeah. target riding? Like, say Keith Urban's cutting. And Missy's been telling everybody we need a couple yeah. songs, you know. I try to. You're right, though. It, it doesn't always work out. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to want to write whatever came into the air as being something I'm the most passionate about. And the, right. It might not be the up-tempo but I know thing people, they're asking for. I like the challenge of I homework do, okay, sometimes. Okay, yes. I will say that. But you, it that. has to be, I have to be in the room with, a, you know, writers that are a seasoned team that are up for the challenge. Yes. There are certain writers who, uh, say, a uh, certain big uh, artist really likes, digs their style, mm-hmm. and they get a lot of artist yeah. A cuts. Yeah. Now, if you get in a room with them, it's a, it is different because yeah. they're kind of naturally that way anyway, right. and you can maybe bring in an idea that would fit into this. Right. So, But if it, you're it in is, there with an artist, though, yeah. nine times out of ten, it's not going to be. What they ask you to do. No. Because no. you can't dictate how somebody that you barely know is going to feel that day. Right. And what they're uh, feeling strongly about. And you, like I say, the, you as the writer listening to the artist, you can't dictate what, you know what's going to be the idea that you should write based on how yeah. what they're saying. And, uh, well, yeah, and it's, it's very, not always what the homework assignment was. No, no. And especially in the artist thing, when you're, you're, you're not going to get too many shots with this, even the new artist. I mean, you're going to get in the room once or twice with this I person know, and yeah, see if you can make something happen. Mm-hmm. And I've ha- I had it happen recently with a young artist where, great kid, uh, in a little bit of a custody battle. Okay. Yes, exactly. All right. What's so, going well, on in their life is well, going to dictate you know, what you're writing. I mean, if I, and, and I've already been instructed what was really needed here in this project, which yeah. was not one of those songs, mm-hmm. you know, so, but I'm looking at him. I mean, I can't imagine I could get him in a space where we write when the sun goes down. Exactly. You, you know, you, you or can. a margarita song. It's but like, that, this yeah. kid's going through hell right now. Exactly. But you know? the publishers, you know, in their defense, they've never sat in a room and written a song like that, they don't totally know. All they can go on is what you tell them. But, you yeah. know, if you can say, hey, I'll do my best, but sometimes the the room is what dictates it. Yeah, it's it not is. the assignment. And actually, you opened my eyes with this idea. You know, if you're just taking a crapshoot at helping an artist write a song that, really ha- that they're going to keep, you know, having something that has real meaning in their lives is a pretty good shot, even if it's going completely against Whatever. everything they Absolutely. on paper need, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yeah, because there's probably no one more vulnerable or insecure than, you know, no offense, artists. Yeah. You know, but that's partly that's what makes them strive They're just to like do their job. And sometimes times three. Yes. And so of all, especially if they're new, newer, young writers, they're not going to throw out their emotion you know no. private thoughts and feelings and you know they're yeah. not confident enough to you know so yeah i don't know yeah well i always say you know with the male country artists when you offer them when you hand them a song you've written a little three-minute movie for them to be in mm-hmm. and if they're not the hero they're the bad guy they're, yeah. they're not cutting that song Right, it's really tough because it's not like the old days when no. you know people wanted to be the outlaw and wanted right. to be the bad well, guy but even and would then, say that they personally sucked in a song. They don't do that anymore. It's almost got to be autobiographical, which is an annoying new trend that I don't like. 
That is true. I had a, <laughs> I'm trying to get this story right. I heard it yesterday from Bill Luther. Um, one of the male artists uh, was about to cut the song, but there was a line in there about, I don't know. It was something where it was like, well, he doesn't have one of those or he doesn't do right. that. And then he rejected the song, but then he later laughed at himself and told Bill that he should have cut the song because right. someone else cut it. And he goes, do you think Johnny Cash really shot a man in Reno exactly. just to watch him die? And he exactly. was laughing. And the artist was laughing at himself. And he's like, I guess he didn't. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, he didn't. But, you know, he probably wasn't maybe secure enough to cut it. And and why? Because the industry goes see trends and they kind of scare you into not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's not what's working on radio or that's this, that or the other. But even, even the outlaw country days, I would still say those might have been anti-heroes but they yeah. were still heroes it was cooler back then to, to be, be yeah to be counterculture contrarian, yeah. contrarian yeah. and they were okay. still the contrarian with the heart of gold mm-hmm. you know but they then they would they would admit yes, their faults they would and that is definitely not happening yeah they would admit <laughs> yeah admitting your faults is part of that yeah. kind of thought process of i'll be honest about what's going well, on well there was honesty there yeah and I think there is some nowadays, but there's this, it's just a cultural time, I guess, where, you know, everybody on Facebook, you, you just get the highlights, you just get the good stuff, you know, mostly. And, and everybody wants every song to be happy and like everything's great and my life is perfect. And that's just not real life. And I enjoy those songs and we need those songs because it has been a tough you know, yeah. period in American history. So you want to hear happy songs. Sure. But sometimes some people's, you know, non-happy times need to be acknowledged. And where have we ever retreated in the past to, to get healing from that but music? Such a great point. You know, you that, that opened another door. It's the great healer. It's the great yeah. arms around you, regardless of your financial, economic, stature in culture i don't know just pick a thousand songs you grew up to you know from how you wanted to feel whether yeah. it was you wanted to feel sexy you listened to little fleet mac you know mm-hmm. you know you know or you want to feel smart you listen to simon and garfunkel mm-hmm. <laughs> or or, uh, or if you you're know, going through a breakup, you listen to uh, Williams. You want to be happy, yeah. and thank God for that. What a wonderful song! He probably had no idea when he wrote that the impact that song was going to have. But in a time when people are unhappy, it's such a great it's a miracle. Point. It's such a great point. You think about it. I do remember being a kid, and there were all kinds of songs that you could play to experience a wide range of emotions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sadness, horrible sadness, yeah. loss, happiness. Sometimes I mean, it love. feels good to just hold up with some headphones and feel sad. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, and you know, yeah. I think I want to circle back to another point you made that blew my mind. Okay, social media. Mm-hmm. doesn't. It, so this is a problem because in social media, people are, presenting the absolute best version of themselves scenario right yeah so i wonder if what you're saying and i'm so interested in this it's moving even the music culture to mirror that it is i just want to reinforce what you're saying and i think it's such a great point it's it's probably and it's a human desire to put on your best face Mm -hmm. forward you know i mean i get that yeah but it is sort of uh, unfortunate that 
it's sometimes it is good to be sad and cry and listen to a Barbara Streisand record yeah. or, or whatever it yeah. is today. Right. I don't know. Yeah, you just can't deny certain parts of your emotional makeup. It's right. like for a while, and I think I actually went in and said this, complaining probably, you know, some of my favorite songs, you know, had some angst in them. And, yeah. and it's like for some reason, somewhere along the way in country, that kind of became taboo. We can't have angst to anything, you know, and it was just only the other stuff. But you can't just ignore a part of the human makeup Yeah, from a musical creator standpoint. I don't think. But, you know, then pop, here comes pop, comes along. And then it was angst, angst, angst. And it was like, oh, people go over here to get that angst fixed because they feel acknowledged. Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like that when I got dumped my, by my boyfriend and I found out whatever, he's cheating on me. They put the angst back in that music. And so hope, you know, sometimes country follows trend with pop and vice yeah. versa. But um, another great point. Wow, you're right. That think is, about, you know, no, I'm all thinking. the pop music. And yes. it's just like angst was the main sliver of emotion they they uh, had success with. Huge, huge songs. Yeah. Now, I would, one maybe possible reason, I'm just spitballing here, but pop has a traditionally younger listener base. And yeah. teenagers, that's they live in angst. So Yeah, it's country, part of their emotional right. growing pains. You know? And country music is an older demographic where they... But I, I agree with you 100%. And I, it made me think, I've had a... I always wondered if what was going on when the business was controlled by these record company executives, right? Mm-hmm. They tend to have this warped view, in my opinion, humble opinion... They had this idea that the typical country listener was a mom with two kids, what they called the mm-hmm. soccer mom. Right. And they had this idea that she didn't want to hear that stuff. She wanted to hear hunky guys sing songs about going to the Caribbean and getting drunk because yeah. they're, you know, because 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 their husband's an idiot, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Or all those type of things. Yeah. Kind it's of the scared. opposite that they wanted to hear. <laughs> right. That's but the, I'm saying that's from a why. Woman. That's yeah. why I think males were making decisions about what they perceived women to want that were completely wrong right i i 100 agree with that (laughs) completely wrong yeah i think women are more emotionally available and actually have such a better emotional education in general that they understand the function of being sad i know that they're willing to go there so let's think about this great great song that blew my mind when i heard it um, I think Tom Douglas wrote it. I don't know why they say grown men don't cry. I love that song. I mean, right. So true. Perfect. Look, what a beautiful piece of art because he was willing to be vulnerable enough as yep. a man to say that. Yep. Just and it connected. It needed to be totally, said. Totally. Because you know what? Then all those guys that feel that. Yep. It gives them permission in some way. Absolutely. Even in a small way on their drive to work to go yeah 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 sit here and cry yeah about my little girl yeah i'm supposed to yeah i know i know because it's like no i'm supposed to be i'm supposed to hold it together or as i say in my family yeah. i'm head of security <laughs> <laughs> that's my job uh, so uh, you know you don't want a head of security who has crying fits <laughs> well, you know and it's not just <laughs> tearful things it's like just if anyone is supposed to address the full gamut of emotions, yeah, it should be songwriters. Yeah, I mean, music is whether you 
believe it or not, it is holy. It is. It is spirit, and it weaves through every one of us, whether you believe in God or not. I say that all the time, it Connie. Is. I think people could label it different things based on who yeah. they are. So right. we're just arguing about a name. But the whole what they call the Holy Spirit, that's what does all this. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Or well, think? I've always, my husband, he, he repeats this, and it's so true, and it's just what I believe, but I've always felt like God outdid himself when he created music and the ocean. I mean, and yeah, whether you're a believer or not, even the scientists have confirmed that all people, all matter, period, comes mm-hmm. from one source. Yeah. So... I perceive music to be holy, regardless of the genre, you know, because of its power and what it does. And that's why I can stand and hear people singing in another language. That's right. And just be weep because I hear what they're trying to say, although there are no words. So requires no translation. Yes. You can listen to Beethoven, anyone, anything, any kind of music, the Beatles, whatever. You can hear it in Russia, you can hear it in the United States, you can hear it in South America. Stop you in your tracks. And everybody gets it. Well, not that, that's, uh, you know, we've had a lot of tortured souls as musicians and writers and Kurt Cobain's of the world. I mean, that probably struggled with, what is this in my wiring? Right. That makes me yearn to do this, compelled to do this, and then not satisfied when I'm doing it. It's like, you can only, it's spirit and wiring and. Yeah. But you know, I think, you know, sometimes. You can't fight that fully. No. If you're born in a way that you're exposed to this energy field, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And you see it. Yeah. Bubbling out, vibrating yeah. out there. And you have mm-hmm. always seen it since you're a child. Yeah. You're just fascinated with messing with it. Yeah. And I think. I it think is that's, energy. Yeah. Right. And I think. Curious. I'm just curious. Yeah. So like, I love the, how this thing works. Right. Because exactly. when I hear great music, you know, that I love and how it yeah. makes me feel and how does this work? Mm-hmm. Well, I have kept you probably long enough. We've had a long talk. You, uh, I got to tell you, man, really from the bottom of my heart, this, I, I really feel like I'm walking away from this interview better off. Oh, thank you. I mean that. So I, 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 I beyond appreciate you doing this. You're I so think welcome. I'm, I, I've interviewed a lot of some, some of our great writers here in town. You know, I've been very fortunate to get people to talk to me and open up. You have some incredible insights, man. And I love it. I hope people can listen to this and, and really feel you, especially when you talked about, I drive your truck. I want them to feel you because I think that's the one secret of people that really want to do songwriting. If they could learn, it's that, man. Get in that real space where mm-hmm. it's like it's not writing, you know. And just be honest and tell the truth. I mean, we're all guilty. We have to relearn this lesson of not chasing trends and oh, not writing what's working better. Because, you know, I tell my young writers, figure out what you do the best. Yeah. You. You and do that. What is your advantage that nobody else has? Because it's nobody's wired like you. You're a big fingerprint that nobody else has got. Nobody else is going to say it or sing it like you do. Figure out what you do best and do that and learn from my mistakes. I've wasted a lot of years, you know, especially, yeah. you know, writing stuff where there were very few few female artists. And, of course, I've cuts by both but you know i've chased trends i'm you know whatever because you want to get cuts but i find it i still 
like you said, I, I have to remind myself all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah. chasing this bullshit Well, because again. we want and need to make a living, first of all. But yeah. we also want the quickest results. And right. when you see right. this is what's on trend, then you want to do that to get quick, quicker results. Right. But like you said about like Lori McKenna, thank God she wrote a prayer to her kids. She might have had to wait. I don't know how long, much longer for that kind of song to actually make it through. Right. But it paid off big for us all. Yeah. Because she did. Yeah. She had not, she had overthought that and thought she could have totally screwed up that song by thinking, well, so-and-so wouldn't say that. Or so-and-so wouldn't say that. This. Just let it out. Yeah. Have faith. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do. It is hard to do. You know, when, uh, when the, whatever pencil pushers are looking at your bottom line and how much you know you're in the unrecouped yeah but yeah but it's not an easy business this is no. not not a this is a, a business for the brave it is <laughs> and sometimes the uh, oblivious because if you that's the reason there's fewer women because they're they want a safer more logical profession so talk more about that well, i'm so I curious mean, men and women are wired differently Agreed. women have an intense desire to feel safe. So women, by nature, are going to gravitate to safer professions, in my opinion. This is just my opinion. You know, the, I'll, I'll just say this. The women are succeeding a bunch of badasses because they, they're brave right, right. and bucked the trend. And, yep. you know, especially ones out there had kids and they hold ball of wax. I don't know how they do it. I couldn't do it, but they're, they're quite something. I agree with you 150%. And also, there's another aspect to this. 20 years ago, you could still feel, I wouldn't say misogyny in this business, but you would still, you could feel, you know, girls weren't songwriters very much. There were Mm -hmm. a few. Yeah. There were a few. Mm -hmm. But it was a male-dominated business. Well, it still is. It still is. But, but I have, think there's a better yeah. awareness now that it yeah. shouldn't be yeah. and that is, that we yeah. should do everything we can to it. Not, I mean, half the audience is yeah. female. So that's just crazy. So it should be half the yeah. writers. Well, I would say the bigger demographic for country is way more female way than more 50%. Fi- right. well, that's true. So uh, that's why true. would you not want their take on things? You know, Right. So, but there was a little bit of a boys club, I yeah. think, when I first moved here. I definitely think there was, but I, I don't think that I was really that cognizant of it because right. I've always been a tomboy. I grew up with brothers. I played baseball. I was the only girl, you know, yeah. I, my whole yeah. life. I've just like, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Right. So, but, so I'm not your average, whatever girl. I think, you know, that, uh, that might affect more. I just was always, yeah, heck yeah, I'll play tackle yeah. football with you. you. A, Give me the damn ball. Right, you got you know, a bold personality. But that's just, you know, me, where I, I, I am an introvert, you know, a shy right. person growing up. I've gotten out of that a bit with the music business, but I was always that bold in that respect. But not all women are. That's not your typical woman. Right. I think, as far as entering a workforce yeah. where it's, you know, male-dominated and... Because what we would get was, oh, we've already got our girl. Right. Oh. Well, you've got 25 guy riders. Oh, you've already got your girl. What the crap is that about? You know, it's true. I've heard statistics like 
country, if you go to a Keith Urban concert, 95% of the tickets were bought by a female. So it, take that knowledge and then get to we've, we've got our girl. That's what that's, I've never understood that, because I've worked, I have a business mind too. I've kind of got it even yeah, right clearly, and left. Yeah, you've got a very so successful company. I, if you just want to make, if you're only looking from monetary aspect, what the crap? Why yeah. would you not want to give your biggest part of your demographic what they want? I don't know what it is. That an arrogance of assuming they know? I don't know. That's what I've just always scratched my head about. Like, that was what my in theory. the world? Do you want to make more money? Give me some music I want to hear. That was my theory. Yeah. I thought they, the powers that be at any point in this seemed like they thought they knew and it always seemed wrong to me i don't know and i was when i heard them saying that i'm just like y'all are crazy that ain't how it is <laughs> well the good news is every once in a while a song comes along and it gets past the goalie basically the kind of song uh like yeah. when i die yeah. young now yeah you as a songwriter couldn't have pitched that song for a million years right and got a hope they've been like hell no nobody's gonna get that's depressing yep. as hell wonderful song yep. okay she had some liberties because she was the artist singing it so mm-hmm. but as a songwriter could i have gotten that through but every once in a while i can't tell you how many people songwriters this meant so much to me referring to i drive your truck said thank you for sneaking one through you yeah. know yeah yeah. So, and it, like humble and kind, you know. Yeah. Well, I love that song. She, she snuck that, one through. Yeah. And, the and other one, uh, "Girl Crush," was the one. Oh my I gosh! That. Just that, amazing. That, that could have been a problem pitch. Absolutely. Could yeah. have been. A, I mean, I could but see. But they some, wrote it, and they were brave enough to write it, and right. they right sent it straight to the greatest female vocalist out there, probably right now. Yeah. Uh, and um, well, and it got through. I think. There's always been people in the business that do know what's, yeah. I think. You know, yeah. it's just trying to get that all to line up. But they're having to, you know, answer to who, all, oh, yeah. you know, that yeah, owns yeah. whoever yeah. owns whatever and whoever's, yeah. you know, looking at the bottom line. I get it. I understand that side of the desk as well. And I think there's also going to be a big shift coming when uh, the streaming world, as it begins to dominate more, mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if what the songwriting game will change with this I hope that it gives dynamic. us more liberty. I think it will. To write. I think it will. Because it's 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 difficult. I find it a daily challenge to because sometimes in in country we do want to write s- simple, simply. And uh, we were discussing this before this broadcast started. Um, sometimes I don't want to get the whole song in one listen me personally okay i don't want to have to write a song so simply that a first grader could understand the whole thing Uh, i want to enjoy and wonder what they meant sometimes leave something to the imagination it makes the artist more interesting to me personally so and sometimes having to write so to the point and simply for country, which we have to sometimes, it takes, it beats the poetry out of it. And I quite like a little artful poetry snuck in there. <laughs> and you have to sneak it in uh, a lot of times to get it, that satisfaction of writing something beautiful lyrically. I could only say amen to yeah. all that, really. Yeah. That, that's so true. And then maybe there's an interplay of poetry and 
plain spoken. Yeah. I, I think you can balance it if you get, yes, if you get a little bit too much. Really it's brilliant songs will, you know, if they're if they're a perfect blend of both, someone right. has really spent some time on that song. Right. So you give them a little break. Yeah. And, and everybody's satisfied with listening to it. Everybody yeah. gets fed, you know. But, but I love the multiple. I love the the idea of the multiple listen because there is a, a there is sort of a pressure or a uh, I don't know what it is just kind of common wisdom around here that it needs to be plain spoken and easy to understand. You know. Well, I think concepts. there's a little bit of a misconception because of, of radio. They're driving to work. They don't want to have to think. Right. Speak for yourself. I want to think. Yeah. Challenge me. Yes, I like to hear a song. And how many times have you heard? I heard this. I I bet it's happened to you on several of your songs. I heard this song. I had to pull my car over. Yeah, yeah. I was crying. That's Mm -hmm. an experience people like. Yeah, and that's not a negative. That's not a negative. That's not a negative. Although it sounds unpleasant. No, but it's it's not. not. It's cathartic. It reminds you why we're all alive, and it reminds you that we're connected. Yeah. And this goes back to the spirit thing. I don't care where you live. What language you speak, we're connected with music. And so all the more reason to take more care writing it and to let it all come out as God is uniquely giving each one of us the ability to make it come out. Yeah. Whatever form that is. And I hope that the new trend is that we have more liberty to do that. Connie Harrington, this has been just an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Chris. To have you on Pitch List. Um, I'm honored to be here. I'm telling you, I, I, I loved it. I, you have so many things to say that really resonated with me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. I'd also like to thank all of you listening for all of your emails, tweets, and messages. Please let us know what you like about the show or how we could make it better. Head over to our Facebook page, Pitchlist Podcast, or go to pitchlistpodcast.com. Thanks again, and if you want, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word. See you next time on Pitchlist. Pitchlist.